Love it. Thank you so much. It, just a few feet between there and here, but it feels very different. So uh, thanks for, for coming here and for giving your time to the Lord this morning. We're excited to see what he has to do in our hearts, my heart included. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how God works in this time that we share together. And so before we, we jump into it, just we're going to take one more time and just have one more short prayer here and just ask him to work in this time that we share. God, I, I am so blessed that you would um, call even me, God, to come to this point and to be able to share from your truth and your word. And um, Lord, I pray that, that the things that I'm going to speak today would be honoring and glorifying you in what I do. And I pray, Lord, that the things that are of me would be quickly forgotten, but, but your truth, God, would remain with us and would build us up and help us to be better reflections of your son, Jesus. So we thank you for this time. We ask you to move in it and to bless us and feed us your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, I'm really excited to share with you in this No Regrets series about parenting, as Randy mentioned before. But before we get to there, I kind of wanted to tell you why I'm so passionate about this No Regrets series. Um, I love the idea of living in our world without having any kind of loose ends, without having anything that's messed up there. Because when I was younger, about like... 10 or 12, I ended up helping my dad like very hesitantly with chores one Saturday. And I was more than hesitant. I was putting up a fuss and I was not being very polite and had some choice words as sometimes our kids will do with us. And um, it just so happened that that day my dad had a severe allergic reaction to a bee sting. He had never been allergic to bees at all in his life and he passed out in front of me after this exchange that we'd had. And it scared the living crud out of me. I ran back and I got the ambulance. They came, they were able to revive him, bring him back. But you know what? That experience taught me something so important, which was that we're not promised our next breath. We're not promised a chance to do things over again. And so every moment that we have with the people that we love and with the people that God brings us into contact with is sacred, it's precious. And we have an opportunity to leave those people in a place where they're closer to Jesus or further from Jesus. An opportunity to leave those people with an understanding of how we feel about them really or just how frustrated we are in the moment. And for me, I never wanted to have that happen again where I felt like I left things in a horrible place with my dad. And so my parents saw a big shift in me and it's not something that I do all the time, but in every one of my relationships and every one of my encounters, I want to be part of what God's doing with those people because it could be the last encounter I have. And so that's the kind of heart, I think, behind this No Regrets series. And when Randy mentioned that we had a chance to go ahead and share in it, I definitely jumped uh, to be part of that. And so today, as we're talking about parenting, I think it applies because, you know, as we have these kids that are around us, You know, life happens, and good days come and bad days come, and it's really easy to uh, react out of our weakness or our insecurity instead of reacting out of God's love, his compassion, and and what he would have for our children. Amen? That's hard. And and before I go any further, I just want to say I know that talking about parenting can be difficult for a lot of people that there's a lot of things that have happened, you know, either broken relationships between you and a parent or you and a child. There may be, uh, you know, choices that you've made that you regret 
ending a term or terminating a pregnancy, or you may have ended up even seeing that your son or daughter has passed away before your time. And those kind of difficulties, not to mention infertility, can be something that, that makes us a really hard topic to, to be able to discuss. But I want to let you know, no matter what you've experienced, that God's in the business of taking our brokenness and turning it into something whole, something good and something amazing, much more than we can imagine. He turns graves into gardens, amen? He does, and that's what he, he accomplishes. And, and one of the ways that he does this in this area of parenting, for those of us who have had some heartbreak in this, is he involves us in something called the family of God. Amen? A family of God where we get to be part of something greater than us. And I got to tell you, my parents have done so much to help me become the person that I am right now. But if it were not for many spiritual parents who came in along the way and opened up their homes and opened up their lives and chose to love me at times when I was not very lovable, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I mean, I can tell you right now, Paul Salzbach, Dave and Diana Otten, John and Tish Luciano, Mark Hefner, these are people who changed my life, not in a small way, but for all eternity. People who called out in me a desire to worship. People who called out in me a desire to serve God through music. That's going to change my life for a long time. It's made a huge impact on who I am. And these people chose to enter into my life. They weren't, they weren't, it wasn't something that was thrust upon them the same way it was my biological parents. But their choice has reaped such a huge reward in my own life and in my parents' life. And I got to let you know, I'm praying for those spiritual parents that are in this community that are going to be affecting Boston and Micah and Ari's life. Because we all need that. And if you have a pain or a hurt, I want to encourage you to reach out to Eric, reach out to Zach. You know, he's out on a retreat right now with the youth. And uh, there was a time where he wasn't sure he was going to have enough leaders. And I got to let you know that that. This is an incredible opportunity for you to allow God to turn what is a, a point of pain in your life into a blessing and a, an eternal impact that is going to continue to make a difference for generations to come. So he doesn't necessarily remove that pain, but he gives us a joy that is stronger than that pain. Amen? Amen. So we're going to continue on and talk about maybe an unlikely place in Scripture that we weren't possibly thinking about when it came to parenting. But we're going to actually talk about this morning the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to dissect that and look at it. It's not something that we're going to pray as some kind of a uh, incantation that all of a sudden we're going to be perfect parents. But the reality is, if we look at the truth that God's asking us to seek God for, seek his Father for, that Jesus said, this is how we are to pray. So if we look at the reality of what he's asking us to look for from God, then we're going to see uh, uh, an outline for some priorities that are going to change the way we parent. They're going to help us to be more godly parents. They're going to help us to parent in a way that is going to have an eternal mindset. And it's going to leave us in a place where we don't have regrets at the end of the day, when we see our kids grow up and become the men and women that they were called to be by God. So I'm really excited to, to dissect this. We're going to turn right now to Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, and we're going to read the Lord's Prayer. And it says, This then is how you should pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, which I think how many people have probably had that memorized at one point in time in their life? Yes, most of us. You might remember that there's a little bit more to it and be wondering why we stopped at that verse. Well, honestly, it ends at that verse, but we're going to get back to maybe what we've memorized uh, as we think over this in a little bit. But I want to focus right now on the words that Jesus called us to and dissect those before we get into that ending. So he starts off with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I mean, we don't really talk like that anymore, do we? We don't really say hallowed or holy as much, but it's a really important concept for us to grasp. When something's important in your life, really important, maybe the most important thing, that thing is holy. That thing is set apart. That thing is of most worth to you. And what Jesus is asking us to do is to look to God in prayer and say, God, hallowed be your name. In my life, allow you to be the thing that is of most worth, the thing that matters above everything else. And the problem is, in our lives, it's all too simple to allow other things to vie for the attention of our heart, isn't it? It's all too simple to get caught up in what's going wrong or in what we want to go right, in our plan and what we have focused on. But the reality is God wants to go ahead and capture our heart and turn our affection towards him because he's worthy of it. Because who he is is more incredible than we could possibly imagine. The creator of the universe, the one who brought us all into being, who has a plan for our lives, wants to enter into a relationship with us where we're talking to him. And so the correct response to that is to say, God, you are holy and awesome and great. But that comes from a heart that is undivided to the Lord. And you know, when I was thinking about that, I thought about Psalm 63, verse 1, where the psalmist writes, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You know, if you're in the desert, you're not going to get very far without water. In fact, that desert's going to become your own personal grave if you don't find it. But I got to let you know, guys, we're in a desert right now. God and his presence in your life is the water that we need to make it out of this desert and to make it to the other side. And guess what? That's no different for your kids either. But the reality is how we view God, how we look at God, how we pay attention and show worth for God in our lives, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the whole week is going to teach our kids how big or how small our God is, how much worth he really has. And I want to challenge you with something which is challenging to me because we, we love a couple different sport teams in our house. You know, Anne's a Green Bay Packers fan and I'm you know, a Cleveland Browns fan. I know, she got the better end of the deal. But uh, nonetheless, we'll sit down and we'll watch this game with the whole family And we'll be into every single pass and every single run and, you know, just biting our nails, waiting for them to go ahead and make that winning play. And and the reality is, 
we'll do that for hours. And sometimes doubly for hours because we're watching two different teams. But God's called us to do that not just on Sunday mornings here as a family, but he's also called us to take time with our family and make him holy as a family unit. Are we taking even a half an hour together and focusing on the Lord and lifting up who he is with those people that are around us, with our children, showing them that he matters to us? How are your quiet times? Are you living out your quiet times in front of your kids? Are you encouraging them to do the same thing? Are you teaching them what it looks like to make God holy? These are the important things that we need to hold on to. And the first priority that we need to look at, which is true worship. The second one is eternal purpose. It says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when we're talking about will, it's very easy for us to subtly or not so subtly really want what we want, right? You know, it's not, it's not easy to set aside those things that we really care about deep down and to choose what God wants over what we want. It's hard. But here's the difficult thing about this, guys. Um, at a very bottom level, what God has in store for your kid is a greater plan, a greater purpose than we could ever have in store for them on our own. Amen? What he has in store for them, the plan that he has for their life, the way that he wants to use them is more fulfilling than anything that we could come up with. And so I'm reminded of really, you know, a promise and a reminder that, that Isaiah gives us in, 50, in chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. And it says, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I think sometimes I can get so caught up in what I want for Boston or Micah or Ari, the plans that I have for their life. I mean, I'm, I'm with them. I, I care about them. I want them to be able to step into a future that is better than the life that I had. I want them to do things the right way. But if I'm simply trying to help them out of my own well, out of my own abilities, out of my own experience, and I'm not seeking the Holy Spirit's leading for them and trying to show them how to seek that leading as well in their life, then I'm giving them an earthly purpose versus an eternal purpose. I'm giving them something that's going to be insufficient at some point later down the road. Because they can work after the right grades, or they can work at being the best uh, athlete, or they can try to go ahead and achieve in whatever area that we might encourage them towards. And those things are all great. But bottom line, if they don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ that's going to hold them when they have that career-ending injury, or when they don't get the grade that they expected to get and can't get into the school that they wanted to go to, they're going to feel their world fall apart because that purpose isn't eternal. It's not going to hold them from this day into their last. And so we need to be parenting eternal purpose into our kids, whether they be spiritual or biological. When you're engaging with a student, where are you pointing them? Towards their best future in their own life, in the world, or towards God's best plan for them? That's what we have to be focused on. The third priority is to be gratefully present. So 
when I'm talking about being gratefully present, it's, it's, a interesting, it's an interesting place to be, but you know, uh, it's, it's so good how God puts it. Give us today our daily bread. He doesn't say, you know, thanks for giving it to us yesterday. He doesn't say, oh, I make sure that we have it for you know, the rest of this month. And he doesn't even say, oh, give us our yearly supply of bread. God wants us so focused in this moment because as people, we live in this moment. We can build off of it into the future, but we don't have the capacity to be able to see what that future is that he wants for us. Because he said, my ways are higher than your ways. His eternal purpose is greater than ours. So what do we need to do? We need to be grateful for what God has given us in this moment right now. And we need to be present in it. So present that we don't allow ourselves to lose sight of his leading. But we're able to be locked into what he has for us and step into that. A problem is, is that we just struggle with worry. We struggle with this fear that we're going to miss out on something for us. So we feel like we have to go after it. We feel like we have to pick that up. But the reality is we have a God who is so intimately in love with us that we are never going to miss anything that we truly need. In Matthew 6, 31 through 34, Jesus tells us, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Excuse me. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. You know, um, we can get caught up in this. I know we can see it in our kids as well. But I think sometimes as parents, what we model almost makes more of a difference than, than what we say. We can tell our kids, oh, don't worry about that thing that you didn't get because it's, it's small to us. But to them, it's big. It's huge. So when you have things in your life that happen to you that are big and huge, are you being gratefully present? Are you being vulnerable enough to invite your kids into that disappointment or into that worry that you have about the future and telling them, you know what? I don't have to worry though, because God's faithful. There's an appropriate way to do that, but that's an important thing to do. And I know that for all of us in this culture of consumer mentalities and and always getting out and getting the best, bigger, next thing, it's not easy to do. We have to be careful what we say, how we speak to our spouses, what we talk about. Because if we're always concerned about getting that bigger, best thing, we're going to end up telling them, uh, we're going to end up selling them a different way of life, a life that isn't filled with contentment, a life that's filled with worry and fear and striving instead of being grateful for what God's given us. And I got to tell you, I'm not promising this is going to happen for everyone, but God showed me this in a really big way. I remember when we had some friends that were really close with us and they ended up picking up uh, a camper, an RV, and they were going off camping and I was watching on Facebook, which is obviously a bad idea. But um, I was on there and seeing them and I was like, God, man, they're having such a great time. I want to do that with my kids. But there just was no way that we could make that possible. You know, for us to go out and get a camper or do all those things, it was just way too much. And um, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what that thing is that your heart's longing for, 
or that you're looking for. But I can tell you if you're a human being like I am, it's probably something. Something that, that you feel like you're missing out on that you just don't know is there. But you know what? In the midst of that, I tried to keep it under control. I tried to put it away. I, I, I would try to practice gratitude and, and thankfulness. And you know what? God's promise to us in Matthew, in those verses 30, 31 through 34, is that if we seek him first, all these things will be added. All these things. God knows about our needs. He knows about our wants. And he knows what's best for us. And at the right time, he's going to give us what we need. And sometimes even what we want. Because at that point, we had a family member who actually made it possible for us to pick up their old RV. And we were able to take that and go around the country with the family. And guys, I got to be honest to you. I I was so grateful for this in this moment. But I was also so disappointed in myself. Because I had said, you know, God... You know, you've called me to ministry and I'm just not going to have those kind of resources as my friends or whatever. And I was having a pity party for myself. But the reality is our Heavenly Father wants to bless us. And he may not give you an RV, but what I'm saying is he's going to find a way to give you what you need and to bless you. And as we turn our eyes from what we want to what he has for us, he's going to bless our socks off. And we have to remember that and focus in on who he is because we're going to truly miss the boat if we stop focusing on the blessing that he has for us, which is greater than any material thing that we could possibly want. And so let us not live in such a way that we pass on that same disease of consumerism to our kids. We have to prioritize being gratefully present in this moment with what God has given us. The fourth priority I want to focus on is merciful grace. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. You know, I think forgiveness in families is just a necessity. And and hear this for us as a church body as well too, because there's only one perfect person in this church, and that's Jesus. The rest of us need a ton of grace, and we're going to go ahead and fail each other along the way. And we need to learn to forgive each other just the same way. I hope that you're being vulnerable with your kids and asking for forgiveness when you mess up. And then also encouraging them to ask for forgiveness when they've messed up. That's how we have to live with each other. It's the kind of merciful grace that sees the other person's mess up and says, you know what? I know that God's forgiven me in this way and I'm going to forgive you that same way. But it's so hard to forgive like God does, isn't it? Because a couple weeks later, we might start to think about it. And I think it's so good that Jesus said in here, as we have forgiven others. Past tense. You know, because you remember those hurts. You remember those things that have gotten at your heart and you start to feel that resentment and that frustration because I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they would say that. How have you forgiven those people in your life? How have you forgiven your kids? Because the reality is they make the same mistakes over and over again, don't they? You watch it. You have a front row seat. Are you really forgiving them? Are you holding things over their head? We need to be modeling the kind of grace that Jesus has for us because our kids are going to watch what we say forgiveness is and think that's what we mean when what we're talking about God's forgiveness in their lives. So we have to model a forgiveness that is complete and whole. 
And you know, that merciful grace is the only thing that's going to really transform us, right? It's without that grace that, it's without that grace, we wouldn't have the strength to be able to really live in relationship with Jesus. We could never get to that point. And without that relationship with Jesus, we have no ability in and of ourselves to, to change who we are. It's his work in us that makes that transformational relationship possible. So I think about my relationship with Micah, my son, and he's got special needs. He's not able to talk, and it's incredibly frustrating to him at times. And in those moments of flaring up and getting frustrated, it's not coming down on him and telling him what he's doing is wrong that makes a difference. It's getting down on his level, getting down to where he's at, and putting my arms around him and telling him that I love him. That no matter what he's going through, I love him and I'm going to help him through it. And that's what God does with each of us. And that's what we have to do with our kids. Because they're going to grow up and we're not going to tell them what they can do. We're not going to be able to anymore. And we have to be ready to seek after them in a way that God seeks after us. And that leads me really into my final priority, which is intentional integrity. Intentional integrity. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, it's interesting to me that we don't talk about, uh, Jesus didn't say, remove temptation from my life completely. (laughs) On this side of eternity, Temptation is going to be part of the equation, part of what we have to struggle with as people. And we have to learn to flee from temptation. Because if you notice right after that, it says, deliver us from the evil one. The evil one here is talking about Satan. And you know how Jesus describes Satan in the Bible as well, in the Gospels? He said, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we have to remember that we are being hunted, but so are our kids. Satan is out to put temptations in their life that is going to lead them to brokenness and to devastation. And he's playing for keeps. We are under attack, but so often, what is our response to temptation? Is it really fleeing from temptation or is it more flirting with it? Do we feel like, oh, well, if this is the temptation, I can get up this close, and I still got this much space. I'm good. Because we have to be careful what we allow our kids to see with that. What are we modeling when the TV comes on? How are we allowing things to be accepted that maybe we should be showing them that we need to flee from? We need to turn from. We need to run away from with all that we have. You know, I think about, I think about really, you know, Boston, he has a phone now, but I have parental controls on that phone, y'all. I've locked down Safari, and sometimes, you know, I talk to some of his friends, and they don't have that on it, and he says, well, Dad, I can't get to this website, or I can't do anything. Well, it's a different scenario, but I got to let you know, if you are letting your kids have a phone that has an internet app on it. You might as well be putting them out into an African safari because they're about to get devoured by an enemy who's not going to miss that opportunity. 
And if you don't know how to put controls on a phone, you come and talk to me and we'll figure it out. But we've got to take care and make sure that the same way we're asking our Heavenly Father not to lead us into temptation, that we're not allowing our kids to be led into temptation. We're not allowing them to fall prey to what Satan has in store because he won't miss that opportunity. You know, all this is staggeringly high as far as trying to keep this going on our own strength, right? All these goals, all these priorities, it's a, it's a tall order. And I want you to know, I don't stand here from a place of righteousness and feeling like I'm on the mountaintop. I stand here convicted with you all. But you know what? I'm encouraged by the ending of this prayer that so many of us have memorized. It's the traditional ending of this, and it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I think the reason why people in the church added this is because this isn't our plan, guys. This isn't something that we own. This is something that Jesus gave us. And we don't do it in our own strength because he's the one who has the power. And you know what? When it happens and it happens well, we don't get the glory for it either. His is the glory for accomplishing this forever. Amen. And so as we move into trying to live this out, we have to take to heart truly living in a spirit-led way with our parenting. Asking God, what is he trying to do with our kids? And as we become spirit-led parents, we're going to go ahead and and have three things ready. I'm just going to leave you with these as we end. And it's just, we need to be ready to hear God's leading. We need to be responsive to what he asks of us. And we need to be resilient in prioritizing true worship in our kids' lives. Eternal purpose, grateful presence, merciful grace, and intentional integrity. Because it's hard and we're gonna fail, but we need to keep at it. And I'd encourage you to use this prayer, to say it as you're engaging with kids or as you maybe feel like you blew it. Because we're remembering that as God's called us to this, he's gonna make us ready. You see, he equips those he calls. He doesn't call the equipped. And so as we finish this morning, I wanna ask us all to stand. Just go ahead and stand where you are. And since we are all either spiritual parents in this community of believers here at Journey Church or physical parents, I want us to pray this over our kids, over our kids in this church and over our kids and our families. And if you're a kid here, then you just pray this over yourself. This is something we can all live into for the rest of our lives. So if you'll pray with me, let's put that up on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.